is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. How many times do leftists in our country point to Europe as an example of a society in the aggregate that we should follow? In Europe, they have this. In Europe, they have that. And one of the the main arguments they make for government-run universal health care is that everybody's covered. We okay there, Mr. Producer, technically? Okay. So, um, Obamacare and Bernie Sanders goes on about everybody should have access to Medicare, even though they all haven't paid into it. But always some kind of government construct out of the central government. And it's always painted as compassionate and always painted as a right. You have a right to health care. You have a right to compel other people to provide you with health care. You have a right to compel somebody who's gone to medical school for a zillion years to treat you and to treat you at the cost that you want to pay. You have a right to demand prescription drugs for free or at some nominal price, even though it might take two decades and billions and billions of dollars to develop a particular drug. Too bad. And this is the breakdown of our values and our belief systems in this country. Despite what happens to other people, despite what happens to future generations, people want theirs. And if they can get it by voting for leftists or Republicans who mock, who, uh, who act like leftists, then so be it. Now, one of these uh, utopian societies... Is Britain, the British healthcare system, one of the oldest, oldest socialist healthcare systems, national healthcare? It's one of the reasons why Winston Churchill was defeated. He opposed government run healthcare, but in any event, here we are. And I'm mentioning all this because, again, we, we look over the Atlantic Ocean and what do we see? We see Britain. Britain. And what else do we see? Well, this from the Associated Press. Britain's Court of Appeal today rejected a new bid by the parents of terminally ill toddler Alfie Evans, and I don't know that he's terminally ill, to take him to Italy and continue his life support against the wishes of his doctors and judges. Parents dare to want to take their little baby to Italy for care against the wishes of his doctors and judges? Well, who cares what his doctors and judges think? If the parents think that there's a chance that they can save their little baby. And if there are authorities in other countries and opportunities available in other countries to give it a try. It just amazes me how we bend over backwards to protect mass murders from capital punishment. You get due process, you get this, you get that. It goes on and on, 10, 20 years. 
But here's a 23-month-old baby. And this is it. If the parents want to do everything humanly possible to try and save the baby, in a way in which the baby wouldn't suffer, how is it that doctors and judges can stop them? Well, that's what happens when you have centralized, compassionate health care, ladies and gentlemen. When Sarah Palin talked about death panels, and she was mocked, many people didn't realize how close she is to the truth. Doctors say the 23-month-old boy suffers from a degenerative neurological condition that has left him in a semi-vegetative state with almost no brain function. So why do the, excuse me, the judges and the doctors in Liverpool care if the parents want to take their baby somewhere else for other forms of treatment. These doctors and judges aren't God. They could actually be wrong. You know, it's happened before. But who do you think loves that baby the most? Who do you think wants to care for that baby the most? Judges? The doctors? No, the parents. The parents. Medics caring for him at Alder Hay Children's Hospital in Liverpool have said further treatment is futile, and the toddler's life support was withdrawn Monday after a series of court rulings sided with the doctors and blocked further medical treatment. Of course they sided with the doctors. They're government doctors. In Britain now, the doctors are on the government payroll. They're part of the civil service system. The judges are part of the government, and the government defends the government. <laughs> and the individual and the family are lost in all this. Alfie's parents continued their fight to take him to Italy to be cared for at the Vatican's Children's Hospital, which has said it is willing to take him. And the Pope is willing to send a plane to get him. Three Court of Appeal judges rejected the parents' latest legal bid today. Judge Andrew McFarland said nothing had changed since a previous court ruling that Alfie's treatment should end. High Court Justice Anthony Hayden dismissed the parents' case on Tuesday and said his ruling represented the final chapter in the life of this extraordinary little boy. It makes you want to puke. It really does. That the government stands in the way of this baby and these parents. The government stands in the way. If you had a 23-month-year-old boy, and it's similar circumstance, wouldn't you do everything humanly possible? To make sure that little boy really was in a, in a state where he couldn't be revived, or conversely, to save him? Of course you would. I would. But in Britain, you can't. Because they have a compassionate, government-run, universal health care system where everyone has coverage. Isn't that swell? But you lose control of your health care, ladies and gentlemen. You lose control of the doctors. The doctors become responsive to the state. You lose control of your own lives. This is hideous. Another example of socialism, progressivism, which there's really very little difference. But this is the ideology that's been exported into our country. And this is why they continue to push for more centralized, ubiquitous government control over our lives and health care. And I wrote about this in Liberty and Tyranny. This is the beginning of the end. 
If they get Obamacare, it's the beginning of the end. Well, the Republicans in the Senate, John McCain, killed the effort to repeal it. I feel very sorry for the condition John McCain is in. It's a desperate situation. And he's been a great hero uh, in defending this country in the military. But a disastrous politician. There are many people in this country who will suffer as a result of John McCain's vote. Compassion, ladies and gentlemen, isn't received or defined by government. Compassion is a human feeling. Compassion is a human event. Not a bureaucratic feeling, not a bureaucratic event, not a political feeling, not a political event. And so getting something for nothing, which is really what's being preached by Obama or was and uh, Bernie Sanders and the rest, is very appealing. It's alluring. But in the end, it's a disaster. The quality of health care, the quality of the professionals who are involved in it, the litigation that results from it. These parents should be able to take that baby to any hospital in the world if they think it'll help. It's their baby. It's their flesh and blood. That decision has been taken away from them. Imagine, emotionally, how grueling this is to know that there's nothing you can do because the compassionate socialist state has decided that your kid needs to go. And don't fool yourselves. The National Health Service in Britain, I used to do stories about this by the dozens before Obamacare was passed. They're under to try and fight it on this program. Is in a constant, constant state of near bankruptcy. And so they don't want to treat cases like this. They're expensive. They fear there's no point. We saw this and have seen this with senior citizens. How they limit certain types of operations and certain types of treatments. It's just not worth it. And you remember one of the one of the brain childs or pseudo-intellectuals, Rahm Emanuel's brother, was behind Obamacare and, and its ilk. Uh, he would talk about this too. There's a point at which, you know, society shouldn't be expending resources for such people. Well, when the government controls the levers of health care, that's exactly what happened. This 23-month-old boy, he was taken off this, this life support on Monday. It's Wednesday. In Britain, it may well be Thursday, and he's still living. And those parents gave him mouth-to-mouth to resuscitate him when they saw his lips turning blue. Can you imagine? Because there's not a hospital in London that will help. There's not a doctor in London that will help. There's not a court in London that will help. And they're forbidden from taking that baby and traveling out of the country to get that baby the help they believe he needs, to get him the medical treatment he believes they believe he needs. It's horrific. It's inhumane. It's socialism and progressivism. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
You know, there's always been a uh, paradox among a free people, I think. And that is, they like their freedom, but they like their freebies. They like their independence, but they want the government to interfere. And so while people want their freedom, they claim to want their freedom, they claim to reject authority in any significant way, they demand authority, and uh, in many ways demand tyranny in small pieces, in small pieces, but they demand it nonetheless. This is what happens when you're unattached from values and belief systems, when you have a culture that is government-centric rather than value-centric. This is what happens when people, and I'm just going to say it, are less and less people of faith and more and more people of, uh, of government. And this is, what, this is where we are. And Europe lurched into this uh, mindset many decades before us, but we're here. We're here. There's not a single major Democrat in politics at the national level who stands for the principles in the Declaration of Independence. How many of them talk about natural rights and natural law? None of them. And when they talk about unalienable rights, they mean a right to a government-granted job, a government-funded free education, government-funded family leave. It's all about government. That's not what unalienable rights mean. And so they live in two worlds. And it's fine for a while, but one eventually devours the other. One eventually devours the other. Slowly but surely, in some cases rather quickly. That baby in England is going to die because of the National Health Service and because of the bureaucracy built up around it and because of the courts. And in our country, you say that can never happen. Of course it can happen. It starts in little pieces. You can't pick the health care policy you want today. You're not allowed to. It's against the law because insurance companies can't offer certain types of health care to you. And the more desperate these insurance companies become, because utopia is an expensive proposition, but it's an impossible proposition, universal health care, it's not possible. Let me repeat, universal health care is not possible. Not on this green earth, it's not. I mean, universal health care coverage is possible, but universal quality care simply is not. And so you have a market system that tries to figure these things out. It's like you can't give everybody a car, and everybody's not going to buy the same kind of car. So you have a market system that figures these things out. Everybody can't eat at expensive restaurants. Everybody can't eat filet mignon all the time. You have a market system that figures these things out. But the government can't figure these things out because the government doesn't create anything. The government's involved in redistributing. And it always amazes me. Where does the government get all these experts from? All these godlike figures. Who are they? Are they in the bureaucracy? You want to show me who they are? 
Is the bureaucracy any different than anything else? No. You got schlubs. You got bums. You got hangers-on. You got smart people, studious people, earnest people. It's a mix, like any other office, like any other department. The difference is the law, as I discussed last night. They have power. You as an individual really have none. Your power is in the collective vote, collective activism. Their power is the rule of law, which they subvert and they impose on you. There is absolutely nothing in the Constitution that empowers a central federal government, a national government, to interfere with your health care. Nothing. And yet, you can't get health care without the federal government's interference. A doctor can't provide health care services without the federal government's interference. Neither can a nurse. Hospital can't either. For all intents and purposes, directly and indirectly, the federal government runs our health care system, and it's getting worse and worse and more and more expensive. But apart from that, these moral decisions, you as parents should be making these moral decisions, these ethical decisions. That's your flesh and blood. Not bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., not politicians in Washington, D.C., not judges who, who handle one of 100 cases a day. You should. But the more centralized the government, of course, the more compassionate the government, which it's not, the less control you have over your life. We'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. You're listening to Denali. The Great One. The Great One. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. You know, when you, if you've read my series of books, and some of you have, starting with Men in Black, The Tyranny of the Judiciary, followed by Liberty and Tyranny, the number one conservative book in the last, what, 20 years? Maybe more? Ameritopia? The Liberty Amendments, Plunder and Deceit, Rediscovering Americanism. If you've read all those books, you know exactly what's going on. You know why it's going on. You know what we might be able to do about it. There are books coming out by the boatloads right now. Some of them are actually quite excellent. We'll have a few authors on the program. But when I've said to you in the recent past that the conservative movement is dead, 
What I meant is, and I hope I said, the conservative intellectual movement is essentially dead. Because these books burp up now and then by conservatives or pseudo-conservatives, and they don't really tell us anything new. They don't tell us anything, and by new I don't mean you have to invent new ideas, but they don't bring much to the table. And many who claim to be conservative aren't really that conservative at all. They're mostly Republican status quo types. And by the way, I'm not picking on any individual, so everybody cool it. I'm talking generally. They may be clever. They can turn a phrase here or there. You know, when I write these books, I try to write them about events that are happening, events that are going to happen. I try to link us back to our history and our traditions. I try to explain why those are important, what we're confronting. Some of it's new, some of it's not. Can't put it all in one book. So far, it's taken me six, putting aside Rescuing Sprite. And it's going to take me three or four more until my day is over. This is also one of the reasons why it is important that I have this platform and some others. Because there's no way in hell NPR would ever invite me on, and they never have. There's no way in hell most of the networks would ever have me on to debate their hosts or debate leftists. Because they want to create a caricature of the conservative, a constitutional conservative. And these so-called conservatives that they embrace are the ones who hate Trump and the people who support Trump. They can't conceive of a constitutional conservative who has been supportive of Trump. And I don't mean every single thing Trump has done, but significant things that Trump has done. That's not tolerable. Because it destroys the, 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 the image that they're trying to create of the conservative, the conservative movement, Trump, all of you are sellouts, and all the rest of it. I am more than happy to debate anybody on this. Anybody. But there are very few comers. But if you read these books, if you look at, for instance, Liberty and Tyranny and the Conservative Manifesto, a title tongue-in-cheek, obviously, from the Communist Manifesto. But if you look at it, those of you who have it, one point some five million of you, if you go back and look at it and take another read and look at the manifesto in the back, it's, it's, not, it's not that I'm Nostradamus or Gene Dixon. It has nothing to do with any of that. This is a battle of, of ideas. It is a battle of principles. And so, number one, folks need to understand that we're in this battle and then need to understand exactly what the battle is. A lot of hosts on TV and radio will talk about the consequences of the battle, the surface battle. I just spoke about this poor young baby in Britain. And they'll just leave it there. Well, you can't just leave it there. Why is that poor baby and those parents, why are they in this situation? What kind of ideology, what kind of force promotes this and imposes this on a people? That's important to know. It's important for us to know. 
Everything is sold as compassionate to us when, it talk, when they talk about expanding government, centralizing more and more decision-making. There is literally no reason why a family can't take their baby somewhere else for care, even if it's palliative care. There's no reason. And it's interesting, the progressive says that reason, that reasoning trumps all other things. Natural law, natural rights, unalienable rights, tradition, custom, institutions, reasoning trumps everything. Reasoning. Is this reasoning here in Britain? Is Obamacare reasoning? Open borders, is that reasoning? Trashing law enforcement, which protects us, is that reasoning? Eviscerating the military in the face of Iran, North Korea, China, and Russia, is that reasoning? Bankrupting the country, is that reasoning? You see, you need some moral principles and historical experience from which to act. From which to act, or it's not reasoning at all. It's ideology dressed up as reasoning, isn't it? It's ideology dressed up as reasoning. And so this little baby is going to die. Maybe he would have died anyway. But why wouldn't you try and do everything possible to save him? Just look what the left has done to the world, and look what they've done to this country. The inhumanity dressed up as compassion. I talk about this subject now and then, but we're always told, don't get involved, it's too divisive, you'll lose your audience. It's abortion. And I'm not taking calls on this, I'm just going to quickly address it. The, The position in our body politic, which is not where this decision should be made, but that's where it is. The position in our body, the default position in our body politic is abortion is a choice. That's the default position now. That abortion is a, is a choice. It's a woman's right. You know, in Britain, these judges say the issue is not the rights of the parents, but the rights of the baby. Isn't that interesting? But they don't take that position when it comes to abortion. In this country, we never talk about the rights of the baby. In fact, you're not even allowed to call it a baby. Because it hasn't been born yet. And so we treat a baby in the womb, a human baby in the womb, like we would never treat a puppy in a dog's womb. We treat a puppy in a dog's womb more humanely than we do a human baby in a human woman's womb. Because it's a choice. It's a right. That's the default position. That shouldn't be the default position. We can argue whether there should be abortion in certain situations or not. I don't want to get into that. What I'm saying is there's something horribly wrong morally. Morally with a government that imposes this position on its people. That the default position is, it's not a baby, it's a choice. And when you go from there after, what, 
soon to be half a century? Not quite, but we're getting there. Of the Roe v. Wade decision and subsequent decisions. You dehumanize people. You dehumanize society. The debate about Obamacare. The debate is always about covering people, covering poor people, costs and so forth. The debate is never about quality health care. The debate is never about quality health care. Because Obamacare cannot deliver quality health care. To the best of my knowledge, there's not a lot of measurements. There's not a lot of statistics. People don't even inquire. It's not enough to have health care. It's meaningless. If it's not quality health care, health care that is timely. And we don't debate it. Because the default position, again, which is imposed upon us, is that health care is a right. Well, what does that have to do with anything? I want to pick the kind of health care I want. I want the kind of health care I want for my family with an emphasis on X rather than an emphasis on Y. And you're t- well, you can't. Because everybody has a right to health care as opposed to I want to choose quality health care. It is the opposite of compassion. It is the opposite of compassion. Yet this is the mindset. Geez, I hope I'm not going too deep in the weeds here. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, you follow situations like this. You realize this is one situation, but look how look how you and I think. We know what's going on in the world. The torture, the murder, the slaughter, generally the genocide. You and I, we know what's going on in the world. And yet we still, our heart aches and our soul shouts when we see something like this. Because we're Americans, and that's how we think. We're not Europeans. We're not from the third world. We're Americans, and there's still enough of us who are Americans, who embrace the American culture, for whom this is considered unconscionable, absolutely unconscionable. I would do anything for my children, anything, anything. If they're sick, if they're injured, I'd give everything away. It doesn't matter. But when you're up against government, you're up against government like this, there's not a damn thing you can do. You know, it seems like every day there's another story about technology. Facebook this, Amazon that, and on and on. Cyber hackers are always looking for a way in, trying to use technology to make an easy profit off folks like you and me. Now, this doesn't mean we should be scared of technology. I can't imagine giving it up. Can you? But we need to be smart, and we need to protect ourselves. Nobody's going to protect us but us. The tech companies aren't going to do it, so it's up to us. So don't put it off another second. 
get protected right now. I search for the very best in identity protection all over the country, which is why I now have my ID care as my sponsor and the company that protects my identity. My ID care covers you for the nine types of identity theft for just 10 bucks a month, and they provide a 100% identity recovery guarantee or your money back. Now, you can't find this kind of protection anywhere else, period. So stop waiting and hoping. That's not a strategy. You need protection from these cyber attacks, whether they're a neighborhood crook, whether they are a gang in some far-off land, or whether it's the Russian, Chinese, Korean, Iranian governments, whatever it is. For just 10 bucks a month, my ID care will provide a 100% identity recovery guarantee or your money back. So learn more, get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark. It's that simple. Myidcare.com slash mark. Or call their toll-free number, which they set up just for us, truthfully. Because they know that I'm on 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the radio. And many of you are in your vehicles. 866-334-3084. They're there right now. 866-334-3084. Or myidcare.com slash mark. All right. Let us take a call. Let us go to uh, Shelley, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. The great WBAP with its massive 50,000 watts. Go right ahead. Yes, sir. Well, I'm in the healthcare business and alternative healthcare, and um, I'm dealing with this personally. Nobody has the right to healthcare, nor do they have the right to someone else to pay for it. Anyone can get cancer treatment. They can get any type of treatment that they want. No one is turned away, but you have to pay for it. So it's more poverty than anything that, that keeps people from getting health care. It irritates me to no end when someone says, well, my aunt died of cancer because of her insurance company. No, your aunt died of cancer because, one, she got cancer, and, two, there was no one to pay for her treatment. So that, that's, that's why it, it, that irritates me a lot. But that's not accurate. We have Medicaid, which in part is bankrupting the country uh, for people under a certain income level. And it takes up, as I've said many times, 25% on the average of every single state's budget, Medicaid. And Medicaid, for the most part, is intended for the quote-unquote poor. You also have Medicare, which of course covers senior citizens, but if you're poor and you're a senior citizen, you can get Medicare and in some cases Medicaid as well. So it's, it's just not accurate to say that there aren't programs out there. These programs are so extensive right. and so expensive that they're, they're imploding from within over time. I agree. Maybe it's, I shouldn't have used the word poverty, but maybe the income gap. Um, and we have a patient, actually, who comes to us for an alternative treatment for his cancer care, which is more for um, immunology care, and his hospice, 
found out about it, and they said, you can't do that anymore. And he says, why? This is totally helping me, and it's keeping my levels good. All right, well, listen, I can't get into all specific examples. I I have no idea what to say, Um, uh, whether it should be covered or shouldn't be covered or what the alternative care is or who should be paying for it or what his finances are and so forth and so on. I appreciate your call, though. It's just impossible for me to analyze it on the very, very limited information that I have. And if I were to get deeply into it, it would take me 30 minutes at least. So no offense, but it just it's not something that I can uh, effectively and thoughtfully address. J.D., Charleston, South Carolina, the great WTMA. Go. Hey, Mark. Great show. Listen, I know how to solve this problem for the parents. Uh, and that's by using the socialist liberal tactics against against them. And the way that they do that is they call up the television stations, the newspapers, and they you tell them that they are going to make a statement. And the statement that they make is that uh, the royals have just celebrated uh, a birth in their family. Uh, there's nothing that they wouldn't do for their child. There's nothing the queen mother would not do for her grandchild, her great-grandchild. And you just want your child to be treated the same. And you tell everybody that... Gotta uh, gotta go, J.D. I agree from a PR perspective, but we're beyond that. The courts have ruled. And so the audience that you'd be addressing, judges, they could care less. That's the problem. These people are really caught. It's terrible. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Well, I don't know how to put this. I mean, a truly disgusting barbarian was finally captured after 40 years. This barbarian in the area of Sacramento, California, murdered 12 people, may have raped up to 50, 51 women. A former cop, disgruntled former cop, name is D'Angelo. Joseph James D'Angelo. He's 72 now. And the Sacramento County Sheriff, Scott Jones, was at a press conference today. They, they caught him through DNA. And really in the last week or so. Let's listen to what the uh, sheriff had to say. Cut 13, go. Over the last few days, as information started to point towards this individual, we started some surveillance We were able to get some discarded DNA, and we were able to confirm what we thought we already knew, that we had our man. And yesterday afternoon, in a perfectly executed arrest, my detectives arrested James Joseph D'Angelo, 72 years old, living in Citrus Heights. I can tell you that although it was DNA, ultimately, that led us down the right road, there were a lot of places that road could have led. I don't want to 
underscore, I can't underscore enough, the absolute human factor, the dogged determination of not only the detectives working on this case, but the passion of the district attorney, myself, the community, and the victims. All too often we forget about talking about the victims. And today, we at least brought the first step towards closure for those victims of these horrendous crimes. So I want to thank not only the district attorney and the crime lab and the DNA that helped us get here, but my own detectives and the detectives from all of these folks represented by the, the leaders standing behind me when we put together this working group two years ago and brought in the FBI, who was more than happy to be part of this team and effort, we had no way of knowing that we'd be standing here talking about the resolution of all of these crimes. Let me tell you a little bit about this situation with this piece of trash. It was reported by the local Fox 40 station there in Sacramento. The East Area Rapist, he's linked to 12 homicides and dozens of rapes in California. He terrorized communities across the state for years, for years, over 10 years. Um, Authorities say DNA evidence linked the 72-year-old Joseph James D'Angelo to the crimes of the East Area Rapist, who was also known as the Golden State Killer, the original Night Stalker, and the Vassilia Ransacker. Joseph James D'Angelo seemed like the average neighbor. Those who lived on his street described him as a nice guy was helpful, often working in his front yard. We hear this all the time about these nut jobs, don't we? But he was occasionally prone to outbursts. Neighbors tell Fox 40 they could sometimes hear him yelling profanity from down the street. He was born November 1945. He attended Folsom High School from 61 to 63. Before getting his GED in 64, he served in the Navy during the Vietnam War later that year. He graduated from Sacramento State with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice in 1970. He married Sharon Huddle in Placer County on November 10, 1973. He also worked as a police officer in the small Central Valley of Exeter uh, from 1973 to 76. 1976, he returned to Placer County as an officer with the Auburn Police Department. Now, he was arrested for shoplifting a can of dog repellent and a hammer from a Sacramento area shop in the summer of 1979. He was fired from the Auburn Police Department a few months later. He divorced in 1991. Now, why am I telling you all about this guy? You know, some people say, don't mention their name. You know, don't. Uh, that's what they want. That's not what this guy wants. This guy doesn't want to be known. He hid out for decades. So he needs to be known. Every damn morsel of information. Investigators used DNA evidence to link D'Angelo to the crimes of the East Area Rapist. When he worked as a cop in Exeter, nearly 100 homes in nearby Vassilia were broken into. A journalism professor at the College of the Sequoias was fatally shot during a burglary at his home in September of 75. Between June 1976 and January 1978, when D'Angelo worked in Auburn, at least 28 rapes in the Sacramento area were linked to the East Area Rapist. On February 2nd, 1978, Brian and Katie Majere were murdered in Rancho Cordova. 18 more women were raped between 19, uh, March 1978 and October 1979 in Northern California. Just imagine breaking into these homes and everything. This guy was at it every night, terrorizing communities. 
In December, after D'Angelo was convicted of shoplifting and fired from the Auburn Police Department, 10 people were murdered and four more women were raped in various Southern California communities, including Santa Barbara, Ventura County, and Irvine. Last Tuesday night, Joseph James D'Angelo was arrested at his home along Canyon, Oak Drive, and Citrus Heights. His neighbors were shocked. He was booked in Sacramento County Jail for the Majore murders. And, you know, when you go online and you look at this beautiful couple, I mean, it is uh, the number of lives that he destroyed. Just, uh, but it's good. They never get, they never let up. They hunted down the bastard, and that's a good thing. So he'll get all kinds of due process rights. He'll never see the death penalty unless he uh, gives up all of his appeals and so forth. He'll die in prison because that's what we do. Here we have a mass murderer, a mass rapist, uh, a brutal subhuman. uh, And if he gets sick in jail, they'll give him a doctor. If he needs an operation... We'll send him to a hospital to make sure he gets three squares. And that 23-month-old baby in England, just write him off. There's no no hope. He's in a quasi-vegetative state. I don't even know what a quasi- or semi-vegetative state is. What does that mean? That the baby only responds to uh, to sense to sensory. Uh, a contact or speaking or what have you, uh, sometimes? I mean, what does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. I guess we're all just dumb, we parents. Shelly, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP, go. Hey, yes, thanks for having me. I think that the, um, the way we handle this is boycott Britain. They live and die on our money. When yeah, we well, I, honestly, no offense. What the hell do we buy from Britain? I don't think I buy anything from Britain. No, no, no. It's the tourist money, Mark. The what? The tourism. It's well, I'm not huge. going there either. No, but Britain is. All right, but Shelley, do you really think we can organize a tourist ban of Britain? And do you really think that's what we should be doing when, in fact, the vast majority of people in Britain have nothing to do with this? We, I think we could threaten it. I think we say go to Italy. All right, you set up the organization. You tell us what to do. Get a hold of my producer, and we'll see if we want to follow you, okay? Okay. Okay. Thank you. She won't. People like to get stuff off their chest. I understand it. John, Sacramento, California, retired sheriff there. How are you, sir? Mark, God bless you. I Thank you. I listen to you all the time and appreciate all you do for us. Hey, I just it brought back a lot of memories. I uh, Back in the uh, mid-late 70s, I was uh, junior high and then high school. I lived in East Sacramento. And uh, the, the, the effect that this East Area rapist had, we had no idea, uh, you know, until today about the Golden State Killer correlation. But the, uh, the effect he had on this community was absolutely unbelievable. If, if we didn't have a neighbor that was raped by the East Area Rapist. We knew somebody at our school or, or church that had that. And uh, it brings back a lot of memories. I went on the military, Oakland Police Department, then retired out of Sac Sheriff's Department. And uh, it, it, uh, it, 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 we were in shock and just uh, almost disbelief that they finally, finally caught this guy after all those years. Well, it's a good thing, isn't it? 
some, sometimes they never find these uh, these mass killers and mass rapists. And uh, I'm just glad they don't just throw them into the cold case file, you know? Uh, yeah, it certainly is. And talk about fitting into a community. Uh, you'd mentioned, you know, when he got fired for getting that dog repellent. I remember back when when, you know, everybody got a dog, and that was kind of a, some of the reports that, you know, German Shepherd scares off. Ah, interesting. So he got it for a reason. Oh, certainly, certainly. So um, when he breaks into these homes, yeah, he can right. repel the dogs. Exactly. And, and even more, and I haven't confirmed this until you just had mentioned about his ex-wife, but I had went through a divorce, and the, uh, the attorney that I had had the same name, as you just put out, and she would be about in her 70s, so it would be, you know, fitting in the community. She's a well-respected attorney in the Sacramento area, if that's the same. Uh, well, no, I'm not I, following. What did she do in the article that I read? There were numerous names I mentioned. Uh, that was uh, his ex-wife. Uh, oh, I see. You would mentioned a name, Sharon Huddle, and she would yes. be in her 70s. Same spelling, but uh, she was a very renowned uh, divorce attorney in the Sacramento area, if it's the same one. Very interesting. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call, and we'll be right back. Mark Lovin. By the way, uh, have you heard the two police officers outside of Dallas? Have you heard the two police officers were shot at a Home Depot and one died? Have you heard that a Maine police officer was shot and killed by a killer who was trying to steal his car? Uh, we seem to now, as a society, accept these, these uh, killings of the police officers. They barely get mentioned, including on conservative talk radio. It's outrageous. I don't necessarily see all the stories across the country, but when I see them, I want to mention them. It's just uh, it's a terrible, terrible thing. Now, you know, uh, last night I spent some time talking about Joy Reid, and I noticed how nobody else was talking about Joy Reid. Now, who's Joy Reid? She's a left-wing kook radical who does a weekend show on the left-wing kook radical MSLSD, a conga line of misfits and miscreants. And I pointed out the utter hypocrisy of the left media, which are most of the media, how they were going after Sean Hannity and his private investments, all of which perfectly appropriate, even by the worst kind of reporting from The Guardian, among others. It's wall-to-wall coverage. Wall-to-wall coverage. And how the media had been essentially silent about Joy Reid. And that Joy Reid had claimed that her website or her blog site or whatever the hell it was, her Twitter account had been hacked. Which is very, very unlikely. Now, while it's true, people have said things in the past, I'm sure I have, that we regret I can assure you the things that she has said about gay people, I have never said. We can debate over the years, gay marriage, or civil unions, or bakeries, 
and stuff related to that sort of thing. Perfectly legitimate. But really demeaning people, trashing people who are gay, and doing it apparently in a fairly routine manner some time ago is pretty, pretty pathetic. And ten years ago uh, was, is no excuse. But my main point, in addition to that, was the extent to which Joy Reid was being ignored. Because if Joy Reid had, had been a <coughs> excuse me, host on the Fox News channel, she would have been drummed out of the business by now. Because they concoct things against Hannity and others over there at that network. Where Joy Reid hangs on, has the full backing of NBC. I've noticed one other thing I should have added last night, but I'll add it right now. How few voices in conservative talk radio came to the defense of Sean Hannity. There were some, but very few. Very few local hosts, let alone national hosts, on this attack respecting his real estate investment. And you could tell it was kind of a slime attack because they were inferring that Ben Carson, the head of HUD, may have had some role. Well, Ben Carson, because he's the head of HUD, isn't involved in any individual matters. And LLCs are legitimate corporations. They're not shell companies sitting offshore in the Cayman Islands or somewhere. They're perfectly legal and perfectly legitimate, real companies with real money and so forth and so on. And so when the left media, which is heavily funded in many, in many areas, at many elements of it, and it's hard to distinguish one from the other by wealthy leftists behind the scenes, supported by Media Matters and other uh, kook, radical left organizations, when they target a conservative in media to try and take them out with their Soviet-style, Solinsky-style tactics, it is appalling to me how few stand up and defend him. Including on conservative talk radio, and quite frankly, even at the mothership over there at Fox. Juan Williams trashed Hannity over the Michael Cohen matter. It was really completely out of line. So that was my point. Joy Reid. Now she's sweating now because they're finding more stuff. And it's not that we want to hold Joy Reid accountable for everything she's ever said or ever done. But if there is a significant pattern over a period of time of behavior that is, that is uh, in, for most of us, unacceptable, of course it's relevant. It's not up to us whether she keeps her job or not. We're not the ones that lead boycotts. That would be the other side. That would be the other side. People should express their views. But they're to be held to account. If you're a public figure, and again, I'm not trying, I don't, I don't believe people should be destroyed over it or anything of the sort. People will make up their own minds. That's what an audience does. It's the purest form of a market system. Radio audience, TV audience, you either listen or you don't. You either watch or you don't. 
But I watched CNN, and they didn't cover it for the longest time. I watched MSNBC, and they ignored it for the longest time. Why? Why? Why is that not relevant? But Sean Hannity's private real estate investments here in the United States of America are something that requires reporting. That was my point. I'll be right back. Radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. All right. See what's cooking out there. Edward, Percival, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Uh, good evening, Mark. Mark, evening. Um, you know, I, I, my view of this, this young child in, is that the... The judges and the doctors at this point have to ensure that this child does not live. For if this child were somehow to get out of this place, I mean, the child is basically in the prison at this point. It's no different than being in Cuba at this point. You know, uh, they're both islands and they both go to motor on them and they're going to make sure that this child does not get out alive. And they're vested now in making sure that this child dies. Because if this child were somehow to get out of that place and somehow live for any appreciable amount of time, it will totally undermine their the justification that they made for sentencing. Yeah, sentencing and you know what else they're thinking? Down. They're also thinking, wow, we could have a lot of cases like this, and we can't clog up the courts with this, and National Health Service with all these expenses and so forth and so on. We need these doctors to be in control. We need the government to be in control and keep an eye on all these lists. Yeah, it could just be another, it could be a case study for them. Yeah, this is a justification. This is why we need to do Mm. it. But to me, this is, there, it's, there's something, there's something like totally sick about this. There's something like devilishly sick about this. Um, Did you have so? Welcome to Utopia, sir. Thank you. You have a universal health care system run by the bureaucrats. The uh, doctors work for the government. The nurses work for the government. The hospitals are owned by the state. Everything that's done in there is regulated by bureaucrats. The politicians there, the member of parliament, they're in charge. And it, it always amazes me that people there and here seem to believe that Somehow, if you're a civil servant, you're smarter than everybody else. What makes a civil... And by the way, there are smart civil servants, but there are also adults. And the smart ones will tell you about the adults. But there is this fiction out there that we have a bunch of experts in the bureaucracy. No, we don't. Some experts and some not. And uh, you have public unions and civil service that protect the, uh, the good and the bad. But you're not necessarily an expert because you're in the bureaucracy. You may not be an expert of any kind. And the politicians aren't experts at all. And, and why do we think they're always motivated by noble uh, purposes? Politicians are motivated by, for the most part, re-election. And so to turn over life and death decisions to politicians and bureaucrats and unelected judges with lifetime appointments is really an abomination. And to take that control away from the parents is, is you know, it's, it's like anti-human nature. The reason you procreate is so you can have children that carry on for you. 
They are, they are your, your immort- immortality. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. How dare government step in? How dare bureaucrats step in? Whether you call them doctors or not. How dare judges step in and make those decisions? It's an absolute abomination. It's unconscionable. And that's the problem. You know, it's a fact. Attorneys are expensive. You're likely to pay around $300 an hour, right? Well, you'll probably pay more, actually. And that's just one reason why smart business owners turn to LegalZoom. Hear me out. Over 2 million Americans have used LegalZoom to start their businesses with LLCs, incorporation, and more. But even after your business is set up, LegalZoom can still help. Lease agreements, changing tax laws, contract reviews are all part of running your own business. But they're precisely the kinds of legal hurdles that take time and often effort away from growing your business because that's your focus. So LegalZoom created their business legal plan, their business legal plan. With it, you get legal advice from your, for your business from vetted independent attorneys and tax professionals available in every state. Now, you also get access to NDAs, lease agreements, and a lot more. The best part, you won't be charged by the hour since LegalZoom isn't a law firm. Instead, you just pay one low upfront price. You really ought to check this out. Check out the business legal plan at LegalZoom.com and check it out right now. Get special savings when you enter Levin at checkout. That's L-E-V-I-N. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. LegalZoom.com. Enter Levin at checkout. One more time. LegalZoom.com. Enter Levin. L-E-V-I-N at checkout. Oh, yes. Jesse, Durango, Colorado, the great K-D-R-O. Go. How are you doing? Great. I was calling in regards to the child, and I believe that they ought to go ahead and file charges uh, through the Hague for uh, if if not murder. I'm not exactly sure how that works. I suspect the government files charges at the Hague against this one or that one, but I really think they're probably out of legal recourse. You know, the government sets up the legal system. The government sets up the court system. And certainly in this case, the whole the whole system is rigged. Yeah, but the same way they did it uh, with the Jews in Germany. Well, I don't know about the Jews in Germany. This is a comparison to that, to the Third Reich. But uh, it's definitely a system run amok when a 23-year-old little baby uh, can't get the care that his parents think he needs. And they're more than happy to take him out of the country uh, into another country that would welcome him with open arms and provide him with, with care. I mean, that is, that is, to me, I mean, why does Britain give a damn about that? Why do they care? Thank you for your call. Caroline, New York, the great WABC, go. Oh, hi, Mark. I love your show. I was calling about that horrible man in California, in Sacramento. He's not a man. He's a barbarian. He's a subhuman. Yes, I know. There are so many, though, now. I mean, not like that, but it was unbelievable that the police department caught him finally. What a disgusting human being. But I'm very concerned about what's happening in our country. It's too bad it's not in Texas or Florida or Virginia where... uh... 
where we where we have our own forms of old smoky if you get my drift go ahead yeah exactly but it is it's horrible i mean there's so much violence now ever since well it's been going on for years but i see a progressive uh, tend towards the violence in this country and it's very upsetting to me well i'm going to tell you what this kind of violence actually is on the downswing I know that sounds weird, but political violence, in my view, is on the upswing with groups like Antifa. And you remember we talked about this at the time, how tolerant the media were of Antifa, how they were making excuses for Antifa, uh, how they were saying that Antifa was being provoked. Uh, I can remember this guy, Don Lemon, over at CNN, uh, defended them for a period of time, and then he reversed course. Uh, so the media tolerates significant amount of violence. Uh, depending on who's doing it. But I see a rise, quite frankly, in political violence, and I don't think it's going to get any better. Thank you. Thank you for your call. Janie, Herman, Virginia. The great WMA. Herman, Virginia. You're not in Herman. Where are you? Herndon. Uh, Herndon, yes. Herndon, uh, Virginia. Yes, I am. Yes. But I wanted to tell you that By I By the way, there's for- some great restaurants here, like the Russia House. I love that restaurant. Well, I don't go out to eat much. Oh. You know. But anyway, I, I think Mr. Muller will now uh, bang on my door and grab all my files because I've eaten at the Russian House restaurant. Well, I know where that is. Yes. <laughs> but I want to tell you that um, this, this situation with a baby in England has just been breaking my heart all day. I just, I've, I've been in tears about it because this is just letting people be God, and it's awful. I have three sons. Uh, I had a large, he was 10 pounds. I had a medium, he was 7, and I had a 1.5 baby. The third one, I'll tell you, they said, you know, you have a chance to abort him because, yeah, your health is in danger. But I said, that's not my choice. God chooses life or death, not me. And do you know that little boy is a United States Marine, right? Whoa. I'll tell you what, I am so proud. But he weighed, my husband jokes, he says, I've eaten chickens bigger than that kid. Yeah. Yep, yep. That's tiny. uh, Absolutely tiny. Very tiny. And uh, I will never regret, regret my choice. Wow, you put a big smile on my face when you said not only did he survive, he became a United States Marine. I I'll tell bet. you, and how that little, that child, how can people think they can choose over God? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Well, government likes to substitute itself for God all the time. That's the whole notion of the progressive movement and the whole notion of Darwinism. And by the way, you might be very interested in this, Janie. On Sunday at 10 p.m. your time, since you're in Virginia, on the Fox News Channel, we're going to have a very substantive, deep scholarly discussion about not abortion but about um science evolution and progressivism with one of the great minds really of our time many of you probably haven't heard of david belinsky but he's absolutely remarkable and we're going to have this discussion you know what he's he's a secularist he's not particularly he's really not of religion he is a secular jew but he defends religion, and he raises scientific questions 
about evolution. So we're not talking about somebody who's necessarily a preacher somewhere who's saying, you know, don't embrace evolution, although I understand that. But he's somebody who is questioning atheism, questioning evolution. He says this is as much of a dogma as anything else. But I think whatever your viewpoint, you're going to find this incredibly fascinating because you're not going to hear this anywhere. Network, satellite, cable, TV, unless you tune in my show seriously. And I think you'll find it very profound and compelling. All our best to your wonderful son, Janie. You take care. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, telling by the calls into this program, and we have a full board, and we have, we do every night. And it's, as soon as somebody calls in, somebody comes in from behind. And uh, this 23-month-old and what's happening to this little baby and the British government, it has infuriated you. It has infuriated the American people. Let's go to Mike. Long Island, the great WABC in New York. Go right ahead, sir. Good evening. It's an honor to talk to you. You uh, too. Long-time listener. Um, quickly before my point, about 12 years ago, I used to call in regularly as Mike the Liberal from Rockland ah, County. Yes. From Rockland County, where I used to live. Yeah. Um, I just want to let you know that this election definitely changed a lot in me. By time voting day, I couldn't vote for Hillary as well as Trump, but by time Inauguration Day, I drove from Long Island to Washington to be there for Trump's inauguration, and everything has changed, seeing the way the hypocrisy and the way they change him, and uh, that is no longer my affiliation. Wow, Mike, I remember you. Yeah, we used to, I used to call you about once every other week. and You were hardcore. I know, and you used to scream and shout at me and push your brakes and all this down the facts, and... Uh, <laughs> next, next election, I'm voting for Trump. I can promise you that much. How about that? Well, all you have to do is convince two or three million more people in New York, and you might win this time. <laughs> uh, that'll be hard, but... Uh, now, they're all try. moving to Florida to vote for Democrats right now. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say that there was a child, a five-year-old child, Josiah King, who was in the same predicament in the U.K., and the parents snuck him out against court orders. Uh, he had a cancer, and he was treated in the Czech Republic, and he recovered. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they cannot face that embarrassment again, and that is a reason why they're not going to let him go, because if this kid survives and they have another uh, case where proven wrong, it undermines their entire you know, public health system, which obviously people here in America, we, a lot of us already know that that's a failure. But for them, if we're going to keep that view up, they cannot let this kid out, because if he survives, it's just going to completely undermine their entire medical, you know, public medical. That is, that is, of course, a brilliant point. And if it undermines their entire uh, structure of government-run centralized health care, where bureaucrats and judges and, uh, and bureaucrats by, uh, there, are doctors included, they get to make the decisions and they make the wrong decisions. You're right. They, would, they could have a potential revolt. I mean, you know, after that first case, and there's a lot of articles written about it, but now it's 2018 and everyone's watching this. If this happens again, like you said, you could have a revolt where people are going to start looking for more, you know, privatized like America. Uh, obviously, 
crazy. That's not something that they want because, like you said, everyone wants more elections. Everyone wants more power. All right, Mike. Well, call back, buddy. Don't be a stranger anymore, particularly now that you make so much sense. Ben, Roanoke, Virginia, listening on WMAL. Amazing. How are you? Good evening, Mark. I'm well. How are you, sir? Good. Go, baby. Yes, sir. You know, I've, I've been a long-time listener to your good buddy, Steve Crowder, and one of the cool things that he said that has really struck a chord with And he me is a good time, buddy. He's great. He's a great guy. And, yes. you know, and one of the things he said time and again, and, and I apologize if this is something that you have said, because I, I, I don't doubt that you have, is that one of the tremendous differences between right and left from an ideological, uh, ideological perspective is the difference of how the left is all about the, uh, the equality of outcome, where conservatism is all about equality of opportunity. And I think that... I, I, I think Steve would agree, and I didn't invent that, and he didn't invent that this has been a core point, I think, for some decades now. Yes, sir. And I think that at bottom, everything that's going on in Britain really comes down to that. And it's a lesson that we all have to learn here in the U.S., is that if we allow this liberalism to take over and subvert the equality of opportunity that is ours by right from our creator and then inject this equality of outcome, what we are opening ourselves up to is ultimately equality of low outcome because no other outcome can be guaranteed whatsoever. You're actually guaranteeing quality of no outcome. But thank you for your call, my friend. You know, it's time to give your bathroom the cleaning it deserves. Get rid of all the junk that's lying around. Freshen it up with high-quality products from Dollar Shave Club. Have you joined Dollar Shave Club? It's really inexpensive. Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look, smell, and feel your best. Razors, shave butter, shampoo, body wash, toothpaste, more, everything. Now, I get an amazing high-quality shave using my Dollar Shave Club Executive Razor. And their Dr. Carver Shave Butter is fantastic. It goes on clear. You know why? You can actually see where you're shaving. That's a good thing. And since DSC delivers everything to you, you don't have to set foot in a store wandering the aisles, hunting for razors, shampoo, body wash, toothpaste, none of it. So clean up your bathroom and your morning routine. Really, it's so easy, and it's actually, these are wonderful products. Join Dollar Shave Club today, and for just $5 with free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shea butter and body cleanser then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month get yours get it right now at dollarshaveclub.com slash mark dollarshaveclub.com slash mark once more dollarshaveclub.com slash mark got a final big hour i hope you'll stick with us and i'll be right back From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Levin. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. Well, there was an oral argument in the United States Supreme Court today 
again about immigration. Unfortunately, we've had to talk about this a lot, given the uh, judicial tyranny that has taken place in this country, particularly as applies to immigration. Uh, It has been, there have been a string of disastrous federal court rulings, even when it comes to regulations and the CAFE standard, it's been a disaster. Apparently, here's the new rule. When you have a president like Obama and he governs with executive fiats unconstitutionally, if you want to reverse those executive fiats, you're not allowed to. Or, if his EPA and and other aspects of the federal government issue these mind-boggling, impossible regulations, and you're the new president, and you say, no, I'm, I'm not going to enforce those regulations. I'm going to withdraw them. Once again, you're apparently not allowed to do that. So, in effect, you're not allowed to have a new election. When the left does something, it is enshrined for all times. This is our new stare decisis, as they say. This is apparently the new judicial fiat. Well, now, the president's being challenged again, and it's all the way in the Supreme Court. You might remember where he was temporarily preventing people from coming into the country from certain countries. Countries that have, you know, like civil wars, the countries that don't have effective governments, because otherwise, excuse me, otherwise we don't know who's coming to this country. Now, Obama did something of this sort in the past. Nobody raised an eyebrow. Now, now when Trump does it, he's a racist, He's a xenophobe. No, we know what a xenophobe is. It's a good word for uh, Scrapple, by the way. But s- still. But you know the story. We've gone through this. So uh, we have um, Neil Cataglia, who's the lawyer on behalf of the respondents. As I recall, this guy's a former solicitor general under, uh, under Obama. I could be wrong about that. And so uh, they're in court, and of course they're saying, you know, this is discrimination, and you can't do this. Uh, even though the president has historically, certainly recently, uh, given a lot of uh, a leeway, according to the Supreme Court in the uh, United States versus Arizona decision. Anyway, you'll hear the uh, lawyer for the respondents, that is the bad side, and then you will hear Justice Alito. Cut one, go. Mr. Cat, so would any another... reasonable observer reading this proclamation... Let me, let me, let's start over. You're going to hear Alito first. I apologize. Let's start again. Cut one, go. Mr. Cat, so would any another... reasonable observer reading this proclamation, with, without taking into account statements, think that this was a Muslim ban? I mean, there are, I think there are 50 predominantly Muslim countries in the world. Five, of, five countries, five predominantly Muslim countries are on this list. The the population of the the predominantly Muslim countries on this list make up about 8% of the world's Muslim population. If you looked at the 10 countries with the most Muslims, exactly one, Iran, would be on that list of the top 10. So would a reasonable observer think this was a Muslim ban? If it were just the text of the order alone, it might raise eyebrows for fit and other reasons that the briefs go into, but we wouldn't be here. 
We absolutely agree that it just it's the same test as in Lukumi and other cases. You have to look to all the circumstances around it that are said, the publicly available ones. You know, in, in Justice Alito, the fact that the order only com- encompasses some Muslim countries I don't think means it's not religious discrimination. For example, if I'm an employer and I have 10 African Americans working for me and I only fire two of them, uh, I don't think, you know, and say, well, I've left the other eight in. I don't think anyone can say that's not discrimination. No, I, I understand that. So, and um, it, it is one of our fundamental values that there is religious freedom here for everybody and that member adherents to every religion are entitled to equal treatment. My only point is that if you look at what was done, it does not look at all like a Muslim ban. There are other justifications that jump out as to why these particular countries were put on uh, on the list. So it, you, it, it seems to me the list uh, creates a strong inference that this was not done for that invidious purpose. And, the, uh, of course, the lawyer won't shut up. He can't wait to jump in. But for them, everything is about race, you see, or religious discrimination. Not when it comes to white Christians, but when it comes to foreigners. And by the way, not when it comes to black Christians either. Look what's going on in the Sudan. You have black Muslims slaughtering black Christians, and people barely say anything, including in the black civil rights, part of the civil rights movement. It's just appalling. All right, now. So the lawyer says, well, you know, if you discriminate against two people out of ten, it's still discrimination. Really, is that what's going on here? We're talking about governments that are either non-existent or there's civil wars going on in these countries, and we don't know anything about these refugees. They don't have reliable databases. They don't have anything in order for us to vet them. And so it's not a matter of whether you discriminate against two out of ten, it's still discrimination. There's no discrimination here whatsoever. None. Which is the point. The ten largest... Muslim-majority countries. One is affected, Iran. Iran's picked for a reason. They're our enemy. What is it with these liberals? How suicidal are they? You know, if they want to jump off the roof, I would encourage them not to, but don't drag the rest of us with you. Now, Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Let's hear what she had to say. I'm sure it's very compelling. Cut to go. I thought that Congress had looked at the situation and created a, um, a, a statutory system that addressed the very concern the president is expressing. Congress said you can have visa waivers if you, uh, if you can meet the three criteria that this special mm-hmm. committee of the president looked at. And if you don't, you have to have a very heightened extreme vetting process, Uh and it created that vetting process and suggested its parameters. Uh, More importantly, it took terrorist countries and designated which ones supported terrorism and added another layer of review and said, if you're a national from one of those countries or you have visited one of those countries in the recent past, You also have to get the permission of the Attorney General and the Secretary of State to to affirm that you are not a danger to the U.S. Uh, But what I see the President doing here is saying, 
I'm going to add more to the limits that Congress set right. and to what Congress said was enough, where does a president get the authority to do Well, he at least gets it where Obama got his DACA authority, you know, his fiat, which I'm sure you support, but it's actually stronger than that. The uh, Solicitor General, Noel Francisco, go ahead. More than Congress has already decided is adequate. Well, there are, there's a lot packed into your question, Your Honor, and so let me try to unpack it a little bit. I think the basic answer is that 1182F gives the president the authority to impose restrictions in addition to those set forth in the INA. But go, to go and, to and by the, the way, that has always been the case, and she knows it. Everybody knows it. The whole world knows it. Go ahead. It your might, honor was, but right, on but, the very grounds that the Congress has already and, looked and at? And that's exactly what I was going to address uh, next, Your Honor. The visa waiver program provides a special benefit to our closest allies and some of the safest countries in the world. Neither the visa waiver program nor any of the other statutes that they cite addresses whether we get the mm -hmm. minimum level of information needed to determine the admissibility of individuals coming in from some of the... Doesn't Justice Sotomayor have any concern that we don't know anything about these people coming in from the, those parts of the world? Is she not concerned about that at all? Because the president has to be concerned about that. Now we have Justice Elena Kagan. Can't wait. Cut three, go. So this is a hypothetical that you've heard a variant of before that the government has at any rate, but I want to just give you. Uh, so uh, let's say in some future time, uh, a, a president gets elected who is a uh, vehement anti-Semite. Mm -hmm. All right, let, 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 let's stop. One of the things that troubles me is when they bring up these outrageous hypotheticals, and so they're wind up debating hypotheticals and not the case before them. Uh, you know, this slippery slope, she's trying to say. So you have a president who's elected as a who is a vehement anti-Semite. Does anybody really think? Does anybody really think then that if that's the condition of the nation uh, and, and the uh, court, that there's a parallel here? We, we had a Supreme Court that upheld Korematsu. We had a Supreme Court that upheld Korematsu. But that's not this case. Go ahead. There's all kinds of uh, uh, denigrating comments about Jews and uh, provokes a lot of resentment and hatred uh, over the course of a campaign and in his presidency. And you mean like the, uh, the, the deputy chairman of the DNC, Keith X, a.k.a. Keith Ellison. Like him, you mean? Gee whiz, I hope we don't get that. Go ahead. And uh, uh, in the course of that asks his staff or his cabinet members to issue, a to issue recommendations so that he can issue a proclamation of this kind. And they dot all the I's. Okay, let, 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 you, know, you know, may I be in the courtroom just for a moment? Your Honor, that has nothing to do with this case. The suggestion of your hypothetical really undermines the facts of this case. The facts in this case is we have countries where there are civil wars. We have countries where the governments are effectively non-existent. And we have countries where individuals are committing acts of jihad, terrorism, you know, like on 
So the president is the commander in chief. He has access to the information that, you know, we all don't, including Supreme Court justices. And so it's not about if uh, we have a virulent anti-Semitic president uh, and he tells a cabinet to put out a proclamation uh, focused on uh, Jews. It's that we have a president of the United States who's trying to deal with reality, just like Barack Obama did when he focused on most of these countries, too, uh, in order to secure and protect our nation. Go ahead. All the T's. And what emerges, and again, in the context of this virulent Mm anti-Semitism, what emerges is a proclamation that says uh, uh, no one shall enter from Israel. Right. Do you say Mandel puts an end to judicial review of that uh, set of facts? No, Your Honor. I don't say Mandel puts an end to it, but I do say that uh, in that context, Mandel would be the starting point of the analysis because it does involve the exclusion of aliens, which is where Mandel applies. Uh, If his cabinet, and this is a very tough hypothetical that we've dealt with throughout, but if his cabinet were to actually come to him and say, Mr. President, there is honestly a national security risk here, and you have to act. I think, then, that the president would be allowed to follow that advice, even if it's in, in his private heart of hearts, he also harbored animus. Well, I would also is, suggest, though, if I could finish that, Your Honor, that I think it would be very difficult for that to even satisfy Mandel rational basis scrutiny. I don't need to know what the rationale was, given that Israel happens to be one of the country's closest allies in the war against terrorism. What he's saying is there needs to be a rational basis for this decision. That's the law. And if somebody's a virulent anti-Semite and they're focused on Israel, that's not a rational basis. You know what this is when I listen to the court? A complete and utter waste of time. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. We have a caller from the United Kingdom. It's kind of late over there. Neil on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? Okay, Mark, I'm not a namby-pamby liberal, okay? I'm an Indian. We are very conservative, very hardworking. We run our own businesses. We we pay. Okay, go ahead. Okay. First of all, your whole thing about NHS, you pick up one case and you completely... Oh, I can pick up a thousand cases. Okay, you know something? I nearly suffered a heart attack. The paramedics came within three minutes, and they saved my life. I didn't pay a penny. Well, that's very good. But there's okay. some people who can't get procedures done at all. No, but there's some no. people who are waiting on gurneys outside of emergency rooms. I didn't make this stuff up. There's report after report after report in your own newspapers. No, I agree with you. But a lot and there are many black- people who die from heart attacks over there because they can't get in to see cardiologists. No, that's not true. Yes, it is true. But Mark, the whole world can Google it and check themselves. No, Mark, a lot of black people who die in America who get no treatment. All right, right. don't don't start with that crap. Look, I'm not a liberal. Your country is the country that imported blacks into the United States. You aware of that, pal? Okay, we did. But I said, are you aware of that? Britain imported blacks in the United States. They outlawed slavery, but they still made money from slavery with their slave ships coming over to the United States. You aware of that? Get out the phone, you idiot. Even from Britain. What can I tell you? 
thinks he knows his history. I know the history. I know the history. Let's continue, shall we? Let's see. Jeff, Lake Charles, Louisiana, how are you? I'm great, Mark. That's a that's a hard act to follow right there, but I'll do my yes, best. Sir. Thanks for taking my call. And uh, yep, man, you're a man ahead of your time. Really, I listen to you a lot, and we're, a lot of people down here do actually. But uh, Thank I you. wanted to ask you a question about: Am, am I mistaken in assuming that a, a lot of the illegals are represented by lawyers here, either private or government lawyers, trying to defend themselves for what they're doing here and get their get in here somehow? And yes. And, Oh God, that that's just it's like an invasion. We we it's, Yes it um, is. I mean ever since uh, Reagan And and was, thanks to a decision last week by five leftists on the court and yeah, Neil Gorsuch, yeah. who's being defended by Cato and Heritage and all the others who are absolutely misguided, uh it's yeah. gonna get worse. It's gonna be even hard to deport uh aliens in this country who've committed crimes. It's gonna be much more complicated now. Well, that's what I'm gathering, too, and not to mention, listen to Sotomayor and uh, Kagan. Talk, it's like a fifth column movement here. It's like... It sure is. Um, it really is. It's What do we do to stop it? It's like nobody... Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Do you know the uh, Tooth Fairy? Maybe she can help us. Well, I'll do my best, but boy, I'll tell you what, it's an uphill battle, looks like to me, but we got to do something. It just can't uh, go on like this, and I wish I had an answer. I don't usually ask a question without an answer, but uh, I'll tell you, it's, um, it's almost feeling like hopelessness out here it's, uh, keep they keep coming and what do we do we defend them we actually open the door to them and um i don't see anything that's uh, abating any of this mm-hmm. yeah me neither but you got to keep fighting you got to keep hoping all right my friend we'll be right back Levin, the conscience of conservatism. Call Mark now at 877-381-3811. Yep. Let's take some calls. People have been waiting and waiting and waiting. It's not fair. So, Greg, Hollywood, California, on the 870 AM, our great affiliate there. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Mark. You? How are you doing? Good, thanks. Great. Uh, I have appreciated your show for so many years. My wife and I have listened to it, and, you know, we've understood the things, and I, I just feel how fortunate I was to have received a education that taught me to uh, think for myself and, you know, to look at situations and make judgments. And your right. uh, book, the... Uh, rediscovering of Americanism, uh, that was the one thing I felt if, if we could just have a giant speaker's bureau that would be available to every junior and senior high school in this country, I think we might be able to do something. Yeah, well, that, that might be tough. Yeah, that's true, getting invited by some of these people. But I was thinking about, you know, Alfie and this thing that's happening over in Britain, and it it just reminded me, well, hey, they do that stuff because he's a subject of the crown, and mm-hmm. so are his parents. And so was the uh, East Indian guy that called you up. Mm-hmm. And so they look at the East Indian guy and they say, hmm, well, he's got some parts. He can put some more money in the system. Of, well, yeah, we'll fix him up. 
and make him work and pay us more. But this brings our Declaration of Independence from 1776 right to 2018 with Mm -hmm. the Bill of Rights going along with it. And it is totally, uh, completely uh, just uh, meaningful as to what we are doing and struggling for this very day, to me. All right, Greg, you're right on, of course. Uh, appreciate your call. Let us go to Jerry, New York, New York, the great WABC. Go right ahead. Jerry, I remember you from Ireland. Didn't you used to call the show? I called before when I told you about my father having to wait for nearly 15 months for a knee replacement. I remember you. Go ahead. Tell America. Well, I had an old friend of mine back in, in Northern Ireland who was blind, Robert Lundy, and he had slipped and fallen, and they took him to the hospital, which is part of the British healthcare system mm-hmm. in Northern Ireland, and they left him sitting in the waiting area for hours per hour, about upon hours, and two days, two days later, he died with a broken back. Whoa. So I don't know what that Indian guy's talking about. He must live in the rich part of London or something where they take care of the rich. But this poor man was left sitting in the waiting area for hours upon hours waiting for someone to attend to him. And, and you know, uh, look, you can go on the Internet, too. But you, you have a friend. You've experienced the U.K. and so forth. And uh, not just putting down the U.K., I could put down France, too. The point is, though, if you, if you go online, you can see these stories one after another, after another, after another. You know, if I, if I had a heart attack right now, God forbid, they'd come here in the ambulance, they'd take me to the best local hospital they could to attend to me immediately, um, my insurance would catch up with it and so forth. I wouldn't be waiting on uh, lines, none of that stuff would be going on. It's getting worse and worse the more we have government-run health care and more interference. Uh, oh yeah, these people—these people—they want socialized medicine. Good luck. Mm-hmm. That's—that's crazy. It's crazy. But anyway, Mark, you're the best, and keep up the good work. God bless, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Errol, Houston, Texas, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? I'm great, Mark. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking my call, Mark. I have all of your books. I like to get them early so I can get the hard copy. The only one I don't have the hard copy of is Men in Black, because I started listening to I don't even think we have that, do we, Rich? No, we don't have one of those. Yeah, well, I have the the, uh, soft copy, though. Yeah, well, thank you. That's the only one, but the rest of them I have the hard copy. The reason for my call is I want to make two quick points. Number one, um, I've been listening to you Mm. in and out talk about how the left is hammering Hannity about his real estate transactions. Mm-hmm. And that reminded me of a senator by the name of Harry Reid, who I'm looking at the Newsbusters article right now from October 12, 2006, where according to the AP, he pocketed over a million dollars from the sale of Las Vegas property that he didn't even own at the time. And the left never brought it up. Mm-hmm. You're right. So You're right. They, they, uh, they, have a, they have a very interesting uh, line of uh, moral outrage, don't they? They do. And I believe, like I am, the country's getting tired of it because we can have two standards of justice, one for progressive liberals and another one for everybody else. 
Mm -hmm. The country won't survive. It's unsustainable. No, you're quite right. My second point was with regard to health care, Obamacare provided health insurance. Just because you have insurance, that doesn't mean you're going to get any care, and it doesn't dictate the quality of care. So just because we have insurance, that doesn't mean a thing. The question is, what kind of care are you getting with that insurance? Mm-hmm. Well, you're exactly right. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. Excellent call. You know, it's been a big past few weeks for the social media elites, hasn't it? We're seeing these companies dealing with privacy and data issues, and we're just getting started. But even more than that, we have created in the private sector an entity called Conservative Review TV. And we've got more than 12 outstanding hosts, and you've heard of, of many of them. We've got Steve Dace. We've got uh, Andrew Wilkow, uh, Phil Robertson. Uh, who else? Steve Crowder, of course. And, and so many more. And, of course, Levin TV. Solid, proven conservatives who put their necks on the lines every day, who work hard to produce a wonderful program for you. And we created this network. And we have wonderful crews, wonderful staff. And we want you to join us. It's your choice. And we're going to give you 30 days absolutely free to try us out. You don't have to worry. You don't have to listen to what somebody else says or anything like that. You can see if you like it. 30 days absolutely free if you use promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, and you'll also save $10 off an annual pass, which is normally 99 bucks, so it's 89 bucks. Now, this is bare bones operation. It costs a lot to do this sort of thing. And, uh, but we're prepared to do it. You can see so many conservatives have lent their name to the uh, operation, are, are working hard to, pr- uh, to provide programming for our subscribers. It's really a fantastic uh, enterprise. So I hope you'll join us. Give us a call, 844-LEVIN-TV, and we'll get you all set up. 844-LEVIN-TV. Check it out. Again. There's nothing to lose. There's no risk. You can try us out for 30 days absolutely free. Use promo code LEVIN when you call them, L-E-V-I-N. That's 844-L-E-V-I-N-TV. I know you're going to love it. You get a lot of people who love it. Sherry, Marion, where are you? Arkansas? Uh-huh. Where? I can't hear you. Marion County, Arkansas. All right, go right ahead. Well, I was calling about the hierarchy of... Uh, K-A-R-N, Karn, I'm sorry. Go right ahead. In Britain, they have a hierarchy of the health care. And I ran into uh, a military man from Britain in Kansas about the time they were discussing Obamacare before it passed. And I asked him about their health care system. If you're in the military, you're at the head of the line. And then, depending on your status, is... And this little boy, 23 months old, doesn't have very good status. And that's a sad part of it, is that everybody thinks that it's free for everyone and everybody gets the same deal. Not true. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt and it for a minute. very sad. No, I don't doubt it for a minute. Thank you. All right, we'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
All right. Have you ever taken your car for an oil change, your mechanic finds something wrong, and surprise, you're hit with a huge repair bill? Well, it's happened to me. What happens when you're not covered by the manufacturer's warranty? Well, guess what? You pay through the nose, as we like to say, and you're paying out of your own pocket to fix it. That's why I recommend extended vehicle protection from CarShield. If your car is 5,000 to 150,000 miles, CarShield can save you from paying for high repair bills. Replacing your engine or even a simple sensor can cost thousands. And when you're protected by CarShield, you can have your favorite mechanic or dealership fix your car. It's your choice. CarShield also provides 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection. We are, I told you, our 2010 Camaro. Get CarShield. Here's the number. 800-CAR-6100. Mention code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com and use code LEVIN, and you'll save 10%. That's carshield.com or 800-CAR-6100. And use code LEVIN in either case, and you'll save 10%. Deductible may apply. And by the way, if you haven't gotten this yet, I don't know why. It is a great service. The protection's terrific. Dennis, somewhere in Florida, Sirius Satellite, go right ahead. Mark, it's Hernando. A pleasure to speak with you. There's wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Your name's Hernando? Hernando, Florida. Oh, you're Dennis in the Hernando, Florida. Yes, yeah, sorry. Oh, go right ahead. Correct. A pleasure to speak with you. Well, the, you car, are, the, call screener wrote, well, the, car, the call screener wrote Fernando. I said, no, that's not. <laughs> Close anyway, enough. go ahead. Mark, a a police officer was shot in Yarmouth, Massachusetts last weekend, the weekend before. And and everybody kind of glazed over because of the Syria connection. You know, Syria was going on. No one talked about it. Him and his canine were shot. Mm. Okay, the canine survived. The officer Mm -hmm. was obviously deceased. Mm. And no one's talking about it. And then we had, obviously, the two shootings in Florida where I live now. And then we just had the Dallas shootings. The left is so behind this discourse, mm-hmm. and 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 we're not we're not discussing it enough. I mean, we I know we I know we dwell on it, but we don't dwell on it enough. Mm-hmm. And, no, and then now now the kind of shooting, the police officer was shot by somebody that had a, an end. And, and don't discount this. One hundred and eleven. Prior convictions, not arrests. What? Oh, oh look it up. <laughs> look it up. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making this up. Look mm-hmm. it up. One hundred and eleven prior convictions. They knew about him left and right, and here he was allowed. Now, this officer. I know the officer. My 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 wife used to babysit him. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's just everything about it is horrible yes, as, it as is. far as we're concerned, and no one's talking about it. But well, you just like, did, and you told the nation, and I want to thank you, Dennis. Let's go to Emory, Northridge, California. Go right ahead. How are you doing, Mark? Uh, uh, well. Excited to talk to you. Uh, I had the pleasure of talking to you working at the Ronald Reagan Library uh, when you had a, uh, uh, when you spoke over there a while ago. I love that place. Love it. Love <laughs> it. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, what I wanted to talk to you about is, uh, well, I'm a 21 year old male and I, uh, I was in college, uh, and last year and, uh, you know, and unless you're on the California healthcare system and, uh, you know, we've been talking about healthcare tonight, 
you get, uh, you know, hit with that IRS tax uh, for not having it. So, uh, unfortunately, I, I have to be on that health care system. And it is terrible. I have my, my much of my family lives in California, my son, my daughter, my son-in-law, my grandchildren. And, and it is it's just disastrous. Yeah, absolutely. And to think that it's a microcosm, uh, your call screener actually said, <laughs> said this, it's a microcosm of exactly uh, what they want to do with the rest <clears throat> of the country. And right. I mean, it's horrible. No, I agree. So, so uh, what I wanted to tell you is, uh, so about six months ago, I, I came down with an illness. And, uh, I, you know, going back to I was on government health care is the fact that I, I came down with this illness and I was not treated properly for the illness that I have. In fact, I went back to the ER four times and they still had not confirmed what I had because what they do is they just try to get you in and out when you have this kind of insurance and they don't try to properly treat you. So what ended up happening is I ended up getting admitted to the hospital after passing out in public. Uh, and you know, I'm a 21 year old athlete. I'm not, you know, somebody who's supposed to fall out down in a parking right. lot. And, uh, you know, I eventually was admitted to the hospital and they still were giving me well, the what wrong was wrong with you, by the way. Pardon? What was wrong? Oh, I had uh, I had mononucleosis. No oh, uh, boy. So you know, uh, I, I mean, it's the it's the, it's the disease or the virus that a lot of kids my age get. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, you don't even have but, to be much of a kisser to get it. No, and uh, so I I wasn't able to. Keep we used any to call fluids. it mono, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah, mono. So I wasn't able to keep any fluids, and I was completely dehydrated. And after them, just thinking that I was ODing on drugs or whatever, they kept giving me IV, IV, IV. And eventually that did not work because my body was rejecting anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was you know, on a scale of 1 to 20 is what they put it. I was on a 3. All right, all right. Uh, so when, how long ago did this happen? Uh, that was about six months. And you're doing okay now? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, uh, I've recovered, but uh, they had in, me on In spite of them, you, you're okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> well, I have some advice, sir. Are you prepared to take some advice? Yeah, absolutely. Get the hell out of there. All right, Emery. Thanks for your call, my friend. That's my advice to my kids. Not trying to be rude. It's a free country. Get out. That's what I would do. Erica, Clam and uh, and all the conservatives in California angry at me right now. Okay, well, that's my opinion. Klamath Falls, Oregon, the great K A G O. Go. Hi, Mark. This is Erica Cross. I have my daughter with me, so we are educating this evening. And you want me to be nice, but go ahead. (laughs) I would like to talk and bring up the HSA. It has been brought up um, prior to Trump being elected, and they were talking about it when they were going to replace Obamacare and all that. I have an HSA. We've had it for 13 years. We grandfathered into a health savings account. We have a, um, it's, it's wonderful because. We're going to run I, out of time. Go ahead. Okay. It will not, we don't abuse the system, okay? And we have a problem in our county where people will use Medicaid and mm-hmm. they will go into the ER and. Of course. Yeah, okay. But so, there's no cost consequences to them. Exactly. So when you have an HSA, and I think the limit right now a year is. 6000 what the Congress allows us to have. It's a health savings account, yep. Yes. We we use it as a, you know, we bargain with doctors. Mm-hmm. I'll say, hey, we have cash. Is there any way I can get a discount? And cash, cash talks. Yes. 
cash talks. They don't want to have to use the middleman. Right. And I have I got my husband's um, vasectomy discounted. <laughs> so you pay cash for th- okay. Well, listen, don't get mad at me. I have to go. Okay, that's a good one. End. And no, I'll never be doing that. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Thank you, my wonderful audience, Levinites all. God bless you, and I'll see you tomorrow. Take care.